hello. Welcome to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast that takes on current cultural and social issues through a clinical lens. everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. I've got a little more of a technical uh, session for you here. We're going to get into positive psychology. I'm going to give you the outline. Look, I know a couple of weeks ago, I said I was going to get to this. And so it's, it's important that I follow through. Uh, I, I'm going to start, I'm going to give you some big picture stuff. And then I'm going to break down positive psychology just, just a little bit. So again, a lot more technical. I hope this, uh, this helps. Uh, but let's, let's start with a, a little bit of an outline. So there are five domains, five domains in the clinical world when it comes to uh, individual uh, like psychology, right? The five domains are psychoanalysis or psychodynamic. I'll tell you what these uh, are about here in just a minute too. Uh, behavioral, cognitive, humanistic, and then holist or integrative. Um, they used to, they used to call uh, the holistic or integrative uh, uh, eclectic. There was a wild, and then that became like a taboo term. People are funny. <clears throat> so start with psychoanalysis and psychodynamics. Uh, this would be like, for those of you who are a little bit familiar, this would be like Freud, uh, the idea of free association, dream analysis, transference. Uh, this is this is a more, let's look back and and understand how you got to where you are. Uh, you know, the the old version of this would be lay on the couch, close your eyes, and let's dig into who you were. Uh, let's talk about what's going on for you right now. And it's it's much less about where you're going. You know, the idea was you create insight, and through that insight, you can create a, a better, more intentional direction. That's That in itself is not a bad thing. Um but does it have all the answers? Absolutely not. That's why there's five domains, folks. Then you had behavioral. You're talking about like Pavlov and Skinner. This is like operant conditioning. By the way, this is where a lot of this is uh, uh, created. I mean, so the brain science, which I, you know, many of you might know this already, but I'm really big into the brain science. A lot of the brain science stuff is coming from the behavioral and the cognitive. It's, it's, it's discussing, okay, so I'll give you a, a, an example. Neurofeedback. It's really all about operant conditioning, right? We we take a map of your brain, and then what we'll do is uh, from that map, uh, we'll determine uh, what's going on in the brain, and then we will manipulate the brain without you even knowing. Now, I mean, you know, but you don't know, right? It's the idea. What we found, though, is there are some limitations. Your mind can override the conditioning. I know you're like the brain, the mind, are those different? Yes, they are. But a lot of that comes out of the behavioral and the cognitive. And, and so uh, I just wanted you to understand that there's a lot about desensitization, right? Stimulant and then, and then relax, stimulant, relax, stimulant, relax. You know, that's the, that Pavlov's dog situation where it's like, oh, ring the bell. The dog comes over and, oh, there's food, stimulant, ring the bell, stimulant. Ring the bell, stimulant. Ring the bell, no stimulant, no food. What do they do? They drool like crazy because they're expecting. Uh, so that that's that's what we're talking about there. Uh, cognitive. Uh, we're talking about you know people like Beck. Um, you're talking about thoughts that can change feelings. More of the mindset mentality. Uh, 
comes out of the cognitive, you know, the idea of problem solving. And then we, we'd see things like cognitive behavioral therapy, right? It's the idea, let's change your thought about something. And, and, you know, it digs into a little bit of the humanistic, uh, there's, look, there's overlap in these folks. They're, they're not just one, uh, like, I mean, they are relatively siloed, but not totally siloed. And I'll explain that too. But, uh, the, the idea of, uh, you know, the thought that you, you can change your perspective or re-narrate, right. That's part of the humanistic model, but it's still used a lot in the cognitive model because we can re-narrate and you can shift your mindset and you can infuse empathy, then all of a sudden, all of your feelings are different. It shifts the feelings. So it, it's a great tool. Uh, all of these are great tools at different times for different people. And then we've got humanistic. You're talking about people like Carl Rogers. You know, this, this is uh, my, my, my foundational modality. This is where I start from in my clinical work. You're talking about self-actualization. It's the idea of becoming our best version of ourself. Uh, the you know, understanding the here and now, the past, the present, the future. It's, it's about finding meaning in life. It's about you know, looking out and saying, there's got to be more than just me. There's the external and the internal. Uh, so you'd see existential work done in this. Um, and, and that's that model. And then we've got the holistic or integrative, which just means we combine these different models. Okay. That's the overview. Now let's give you the super brief version of positive psychology. Number one, its origins are mainly humanistic. Why do we say mainly? Because every model has some overlap with other models. They may not like it. Sometimes these people, you know, the cl clinicians are funny. They get, they get siloed. They get, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm cognitive all the way through and through. Well, okay. I mean, let's be real. Cognitive, like I said, uses a lot of the narrative type therapy work. Well, narrative therapy is often considered a little more humanistic than cognitive, but it can fall in either of those categories. So the techniques do overlap with the theories, which means the theories in the background have to have some areas of overlap. All right. But it does generally, positive psychology generally stems out of the humanistic origin. Uh, you know, the idea of person-centered, right? The, your unique experience is your unique experience. Let's get it. Let's create an opportunity for you to look at the positive attributes. And we may also look at some of the negative attributes as a means of highlighting the positive attributes. Uh, there's, there's reasons to do that at certain times, but the idea is we would then define, uh, we, we, we would define it based off of the positive attributes, right? That's where we want to create our focal point. Um, the cool thing about positive psych is it is absolutely a scientific study. That's what it is every single time. It's scientific study. It's the idea of let's take a look at what is, so it's observational, and then look at what it might be. Right. We, we, we highlight different areas for sure. And we may focus on certain areas, but where it comes from is the most interesting thing to me. All right. So we'll get to that here in just a minute. There are three pillars in positive psychology, three positive experience, which is happiness, joy, or inspiration, love. All right. A positive experience. Number two is positive individual traits. What is it about you? 
that is is good. We start to see things like gratitude, resilience, uh, you know, and and stuff like that. Um, we also number three, we see positive institutions that would be applied positive psychology, positive institutions. So here's here's an interesting one for you. We're in an, a really unique time where people in general are looking at the institutions in the United States as primarily negative. You, you see things like, uh, you know, the, the, the BLM stance that, you know, we have uh, racism is ingrained in the institution. Positive psychology would not like that. They would not like looking at it that way because they would say, okay, that might be true. Let's say, let's say racism is ingrained in the system. What else is ingrained in it that is really positive that came out of that? And they would highlight things like, wait a minute, we saw somebody like a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who grew out of the ashes of this evil, let's say, or something like that. And positive psychology would say, Hey, that kind of, uh, you know, human rights approach is born out of this, the ashes of this, this negative. That's a good thing. And they would focus on how these, these people sat on a bus to protest who, who showed up in the streets and stood nonviolently and said, hear us. We are people too. Beautiful, beautiful things that are very positive. And have they shifted things? Absolutely they have. And they would focus on those kinds of things. Why? Because positive psychology understands you get more of what you look for. If I, if I want to throw the ball into the catcher's mitt and I want to hit it every time, I can't be thinking about Oh, look at that butterfly over there. I am hopefully don't hit that butterfly that's 20 yards away. If I do that, I'm less likely to hit the catcher's mitt. But if I focus, positive psychology says, if I focus on the positive attributes and I look for ways to create more of that positivity, the gratitude, the resilience, if I look to to, to to see the joy and the inspiration and the love. And if I look for the positive things within the institutions, I'm going to get more of it. Which, by the way, scientifically, it's a fact. I know, I know I'm saying it's a fact. In social science, we've we've replayed this over and over and over through experiment after experiment, that if you look for the good, you're going to find more good and you're going to create more good. That's the beauty of it. All right. So let me give you a little bit of the history because this is really cool. I like this. I'm not a huge history buff, but Martin Seligman, uh, he realized people could form what they called learned helplessness. This was back in the sixties and the seventies. And this just frustrated the crap out of the guy. Like he got really irritated that he was everywhere he was looking was this learned helplessness. By the way, we're doing it again right now. Historically, we just didn't learn. We, you know, this learned helplessness. Oh, I can't do it myself. I need you to come and help me. Okay, stand up. Be a grown man or a grown woman. And 
and say, hold on, I'm not the victim. All right. This was happening in the 60s and the 70s. You're talking like 80 years ago. 70 years ago, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, this stuff was happening. And he said, enough. If we can learn helplessness, can't we flip that coin? Can't we learn courage? Can't we learn resilience? Can we learn strength? Can't we learn compassion? And what he discovered was that 100%, yes, we can. And that was the birth of positive psychology. We can learn to be more resilient by not accepting the mentality that we are helpless. We can learn to be more compassionate by accepting that others will suffer like us or maybe even even, even in different ways than us. We can learn to be more grateful by looking at the things to be grateful for. A shirt. I got a pen. I got ears and legs and arms. And on most days, if I don't do too hard of a leg workout, my legs function just fine. I'm lucky. I should be grateful. Some people don't. We can find joy. Joy is a funny one, folks. In the study of positive psychology, when they, when they look at things like the happiness quotient and joy, what they find is, you know, say somebody who wins the lottery, let's say, within that first year, their joy that they find in the world as they measure joy and they measure happiness Oh, it, it's super high at first. And then it plateaus, comes down, blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the year, if you've got somebody who is paralyzed and in a wheelchair, their joy is about the same. Their view of the world is totally different. What they are grateful for is totally different, but their joy, their gratitude can be about the same. Just different things which means we're way more resilient than you know. In the positive psychology world, uh, we deal with resilience a lot, the concept of resilience. And so uh, if if you're super interested and you want, you want to send me a note, uh, I may address that part directly, uh, separately. It is one of those key elements that, that is discussed in the positive psychology world. Um, but for today, I just wanted you to have a little bit of that background and understanding. And the takeaway might just be as simple as look for something good. It could be the worst day. Find something good. It could be the second worst day. Find something good. There's good stuff in every day, just like there's hard stuff in every day, folks. Thank you so much for joining us and have a good one. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate our audience a lot, so we give you some simple ways to track us down. Please like, subscribe, and follow all the podcasts on different platforms, but you can also email us at healthyperspectives at protonmail.com, or you can check out our website at healthy-perspectives.com slash 
podcast. It's a backward slash. So if you want to go to our landing page, if you go to healthy-perspectives.com, you'll still find us. You just got to click on the podcast button. Thank you so much. 